Welcome to Insights into Action from KPMG, where we bring together business professionals and specialists from KPMG and beyond. In each episode, we'll delve into real-world stories and share unique insights that provide tangible actions that will benefit your business and help you navigate today's challenges and tomorrow's opportunities. Welcome to the Insights into Action podcast series. My name is Peter Liddell, and I lead KPMG's Global Operations Center of Excellence. In this series of bite-sized episodes, we explore a number of trends we've identified that will create both challenges and opportunities for supply chains in 2023. Looking at issues such as cybercrime to sustainability, we'll be unpacking everything our clients need to know in order to set themselves up for success. In today's episode, we're exploring the evolution of retail and distribution supply chains. Joining me today is Alay Sawaya. Alay is a partner and the national leader for KPMG in Canada's supply chain and procurement services practice. He's personally led major transformation initiatives, providing value to clients by helping them to unlock great efficiencies. He's the supply chain expert you need to know. Welcome, Alay, and thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Pete. Well, we know that supply chain managers today face significant challenges, but they've evolved since the pandemic. So facing us now as we step into 2023 are a number of global but also local factors that are impacting clients. And these are just a normal part of managing a supply chain that's facing ongoing disruption. So Alay, what are you seeing particularly in the retail landscape that's having an impact out there on supply chains in 2023? Interestingly, I mean, the um, brittle and more morphing supply chains has been going on for couple of years, it seems that since COVID's ending, if you will, it's gotten worse in a way that is a bit different from what we've seen. Things are going back to a different type of consumption again, for instance, on the e-com channel and the omni channels. What we're seeing is there's a lot of return to partially prior to COVID modes in terms of consumption. And that's wreaking a little bit of havoc into the movement of inventory goods. So for instance, we have some challenges that we face on moving the goods, locating them in the appropriate locations, putting them into the hands of the consumer as we deal with a heavy amount of returns, heavy amount of double, triple purchases with planned returns by consumers. And that's creating quite a challenge from a predicting perspective. Where should I be putting the goods? Which assortment might be appropriate given the rising costs that we're seeing in managing such a vast assortment as we saw prior to COVID? We saw some reduction in assortment over the last two years, and that's creating a challenge for uh, planners and supply chain in general to predict and understand where that consumption is going to come from. And therefore, we're seeing rising costs, how to manage suppliers who are a great part of this challenge and trying to work with them more vertically end to end to mitigate is really getting quite difficult, Pete. And of course, with the rise of e-com, you rightly picked out a returns delay, but one of the biggest challenges for a lot of e-tailers or retailers who have gone online as well is the fact that whilst they know they have the item in stock, a lot of them actually don't know where those items are. So we're seeing a lot more split orders, split deliveries. So all of a sudden, double, tripling handling of the one fulfillment, which is very costly as well. Mm, Absolutely. I would even argue that the consumer's expectation has also increased with that. And right now, if a consumer purchases product from a retailer in several different ways, prepares a basket in several different ways by purchasing some items with a pickup, other items with delivery, some items with returns, 
it's quite difficult and very few retailers and distributors out there are doing this properly. Those that are basically facing a morphing of the omnichannel into unified commerce. Unified commerce is really making all of the transactions you just described to be seamless, but it is a challenge physically and logically in the supply chain to accomplish, to maintain, and of course, to maintain costs around it because it's getting quite expensive to manage this complexity. And of course, the complexity is not helping, right? Because we know we're seeing through all the different surveys and all the different results that customers are becoming less patient, right? In fact, the ordered online and happy to receive it next day, maybe in a couple of days, now they want it within hours. And, and in fact, in KPMG's global supply chain research that we just did late last year shows that two-thirds of organizations now consider the need to meet this customer expectations at this speed of delivery is actually a critical force that impacts how they design the structure, the flow of their supply chains. And it's something that they have identified as a priority to focus on mm-hmm. over the next 12 to 18 months. What are going to be some of those key changes that supply chain managers in retail distribution are going to have to make this year in order to meet and hit those customer expectations? Some of the things that we're seeing is, as you described it, Pete, this ironic number of 67 or two-thirds, it's coupled with the two-thirds of companies that are looking to transform digitally faster than ever. And what we're seeing around that is the need to review how the supply chain is organized, both in terms of teams, process, technology, and the people that are in the supply chain. And so that prompts the supply chain managers and leaders to review how they operate with the business, how they should be preparing for the future in terms of what type of background and knowledge do they need to bring in-house, what should they be considering to outsource. And what we're seeing is the development of the pod concept to have a lot more of this nimbleness that they would be requiring in order to face this challenge. So the pod being you know representation, not just internally of various functions and roles, but also involving suppliers and involving the chain vertically more holistically and making sure that the decisions are made very rapidly and are focused on more of a probabilistic approach instead of a deterministic approach because of the difficulty in being able to predict with accuracy, being able to plan for it with great precision, getting harder and harder. The simplest and best way to approach it is to create a nimble supply chain is what we're seeing. And many of the managers are gonna have to move towards that versus the traditional models of planning and then supply and then distribution. And so in retail, particularly as the landscape is morphing so quickly, we're seeing that the need for nimbleness has increased dramatically. Is there any particular types of technologies that we're seeing emerge that really help supply chain managers or those in operations? I think there are two of them that stand out. One of them is the control tower concept. So providing visibility for better decision-making and scenario planning. So technologies that allow for end-to-end supply chain, not just on the movement of goods, but on decisions to be made regarding which supplier to move to or from, how to move the goods into the hands of the consumer is not going to be an easy task unless you have this visibility. So technologies around control tower, around visibility to make decisions and scenario planning are critical. And the second one I'm seeing a lot in the retail space is automation. So we often talk about automation physically in warehousing and distribution, but The automation I'm referring to is more in the back and middle office to be able to remove all the non-value add tasks that are still necessary around purchase order management, a lot of dated technologies that are being compensated by human beings. What I'm seeing is that we need to free up some of that non-value add time 
and allow these managers and analysts to be focusing on forward-looking technology, more prediction around what's the likelihood of this event happening, and therefore, how should I mitigate and plan around that risk? No, I'd have to concur, Elaine. And again, you know, speaking to a lot of global clients, and certainly many in the region that I work in, Asia-Pacific, there's still a lot of spreadsheet use. There's still a lot of paperwork, take standard function like global trade management, right? Which any global supply chain crosses multiple jurisdictions and all that paperwork for a, a container of freight. It's just amazing that it's still all done manually these days, right? Incredible. But leading organizations have fully digitized now, right? People are not doing reconciliations. They're not managing bills of lading and a whole range of other, as you said, non-value added activities. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, there's one component that's key that I didn't mention, but everything's becoming underpinned around ESG and the capability for uh, the distribution, the visibility, the movement of the goods to be ESG compliant. And the compliance was the original factor, but now it's becoming an opportunity to become carbon positive. And some buildings and capabilities around technology to help with that are becoming also part of the decision-making and how supply managers and demand managers need to be looking at this. No, I agree. And it's ESG and what it means for supply chain managers is definitely, I think, something new. Yes, it's been around for a while and you're right, organizations heavily focused on the reporting and compliance. But now as scope three becomes a real issue and regulators in many jurisdictions are really starting to ensure that companies enact and start to manage scope three emissions, this will become a big issue. So if we take that as an example, do you think there are other emerging trends that maybe supply chain managers haven't had to have dealt with before that through 2023 and maybe beyond will start to emerge? I think we are seeing something that's more around skew rationalization like we haven't seen before. There's a lot of performance around products and the health of the inventory at the SKU level. What we saw before 2019 was a lot of skew proliferation at increasing assortments. That has shrunk. You probably noticed it when you go shop at the stores. There's a lot less options out there. It's a mitigation plan around rising costs for the implementations of various digital technologies and just managing the whole complexity that we talked about. And so what I'm seeing in terms of SKU management is the high-performing SKUs, the way some of the managers are looking at it today and are going to look at it in the next year or two is it seems to be around this term that we try to avoid sometimes. The word rationalization looks like you're removing capabilities or options for the consumer, but it's really more of a SKU performance exercise. More, more tactically, this is what I'm seeing out there as well. I would say that some of the things we are also facing more recently is the talent pool in terms of how that talent pool ought to be managed. There are additional considerations now around outsourcing models versus insourcing on some areas or in some areas we haven't seen in the past. It's simply because if you think of just the sheer percentage of millennials, by 2025, they'll represent almost 75% of the workforce. And so we're pretty close to that, just less than two years from now. And as I think of that, it also means that Many of the millennials are looking to change jobs every 18 to 24 months. Uh, so that becomes a major talent retention challenge. And therefore, supply chain management needs to look at how they attract, retain, and develop the talent to be able to accomplish the digital transformations that we talked about a couple of minutes ago. And for me, that's quite a challenge because it always comes down to people. And generally, in the three pillars, people, process, and technology need to be addressed often in that order. Now, one of the unfortunate parts coming out of the pandemic is the scale of geopolitical unrest, so to call it. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like going away. And I know we're all hoping it's not going to escalate, but it's an issue that we haven't had to deal with for some time. And we saw the scale of the Russia-Ukraine issue. 
and what that did to global supply chains. So a lot of our clients are keeping an eye on it because these issues do create new supply chain uh, disruptions. What can supply chain managers do to potentially mitigate the impact of new challenges like geopolitical unrest Mm -hmm. on their supply chains and therefore the impacts that flow all the way down to their customers? There are three components there that I think of when you talk about this. One of them is the physical component, looking at where to move my goods from. So looking at various sources of supplier, looking at nearshoring, friendshoring capabilities as options. But that actually entails into an analytical component. And many companies are still looking quite inward in terms of their ability to plan. And when they expand a bit further out, looking at external factors such as the global challenges you described, there needs to be some thought around the likelihood or the risk of something happening. But there's that analytical component, which is really important as a second component in this analysis because of the fact that looking outward and understanding what's happening around other countries and other risks, geopolitical risks, need to be considered now when you do make those selections or choose to look at alternate options. And then thirdly, looking at the whole model around what cost would that entail in my supply chain? Is that going to increase the cost and the likelihood, and we're already living it, increasing costs and rising uh, cost of goods? With that said, these alternate options are not inexpensive as they used to be. There used to be a focus on reduction of suppliers. Now, it seems like additional suppliers in less risky political or geographical locations need to be considered. And that's going to entail cost rising as we see it. I don't see it reducing very much over the next year or two. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough 12, 18 months. Just as global logistics shipping costs were starting to come down, right? We're getting more access to freight, a bit more certainty of routes, prices coming down. What do we got? Inflation, high energy prices, labor prices soaring. Makes it really challenging for those with a manufacturing footprint. Those that used to source from a certain locations now where yeah, there's an extra four to six weeks in the flow of supply chain. It's for sure. Completely agreed. And what I'm seeing is the need for collaboration has multiplied. If you're not collaborating close, if you're not talking to your supplier two to three times more often than you used to, then you're probably at greater risk than you think. And that's all the way up the chain and all the way down the chain, how you service your customers is going to be really critical, but you need to stay close to them and stay close to your suppliers in order to be nimble, as we said before, being one of the traits that you're looking for in this unpredictable uh, world. Perfect. Thank you so much, Alay, for your, for your time today. It's been really valuable to get your insight. Always a pleasure, Pete. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to explore the topic in more detail, that is evolving retail and distribution supply chains in the global trade environment, you can read our report, Supply Chain Trends Shaking Up 2023, accessed via the link in the description. Here you'll also find an overview of those other trends we've explored so far. You can get in touch with myself or Alay directly should you have any further questions or you'd like to discuss how we can help you to navigate the challenges and explore the opportunities that come with the ongoing change and disruption. Simply get in touch with either of us by the links in this report. You can listen right now to this or the other episodes discussing the 2023 supply chain trends wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, thanks again, Alay, and thanks to you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insights Into Action. Please visit our website for more advisory insights and all the other episodes in the series. Make sure to subscribe through your podcast provider so you're alerted for any new episodes and check out the other podcasts available from KPMG. Thank you and see you next time.